Welcome to Vital Processes. In this episode, we do a reading of an article called Mock Meat Masculinity and Redemption Narratives, Vegan Men's Negotiations and Performances of Gender and Eating by Catherine Oliver. But before we go into the reading, we just wanted to explain a couple of terms that come up in this article because it is an academic article. And um, yeah, there's some jargon that it might be helpful if we just go through some of it. Over to you, Gizzy. All right. Okay, the, the first of the terms is absent reference, which is a term that is used quite a lot within animal rights studies and was introduced into the lexicon of, of animal rights and animal liberation uh, studies by Carol J. Adams uh, in her book, The Sexual Politics of Meat. I'll first let Adams herself explain what absent referent means, and then I'll unpack it a little bit afterwards. So in the preface to Sexual Politics of Meat, Adams says, Behind every meal of meat is an absence, the death of the animal whose place the meat takes. The absent referent is that which separates the meat eater from the animal and the animal from the end product. Once the existence of meat is disconnected from the existence of an animal who was killed to become that meat, meat becomes unanchored by its original reference, the animal, becoming instead a free-floating image used often to reflect women's status as well as animals. Animals are the absent referent in the act of meat-eating. They also become the absent referent in images of women butchered, fragmented, or consumable. This definitely makes sense in the context of sexual politics of meat, which explores the links between the way the female body is pictured in popular society and the way that other animals are pictured in, uh, in, in popular society. So if you haven't read The Sexual Politics of Meat, highly recommended. Um, but just to kind of unpack that even more, when Catherine Oliver uses the term absent referent in her article, I believe that she is using it to show that influencer activist veganism, which is the term that she uses within the article, leans on the same expectations of men's body as the dominant meat-eating culture. It is important for these types of vegans to display male bodies that are stereotypically healthily male, and the absent referent here is working uh, through the perceived femininity within male bodies, um, which is the same problematic perception that mainstream meat-eating culture has of veganism. Does does that make sense to you, Steve? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's the, when you read the article, it's about the male vegans who use so-called feminized qualities like um, compassion and like flip it. Is that what is that what it what she's referring to when she references? It's the idea that for a male vegan to continue being perceived as male, even though they are vegan, they have to demarcate themselves 
apart from the female, like the, yeah. the, the feminized. And that is particularly because in Oliver's article, she talks a lot about things like game changers yeah. and people who are playing, you know, manly sports like rugby, etc. cetera. Mm. There still needs to be this same pushing away of the feminine in order to somehow make veganism more acceptable to men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the absent referent is is kind of the, the female body or the feminine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But crucially, this idea, what I quite like about this idea of um, where Adams in her in her preface says that um, the original referent, the animal, becomes instead a free floating image. Really, this this is a bit theoretical and goes off of course, but might nonetheless be interesting. Um, is it really reminds me of there was a French post structuralist postmodernist called Baudrillard Mm. and he had this concept of the simulacrum or simulacra which Mm. uh is is, uh it's actually like the basis for the you know the matrix films they're indebted to Baudrillard's idea of simulacrum um but it's the idea that when something reaches the stage of simulacrum it no longer possesses any connection to the original source of, of what it is, so an, so the image becomes free floating, just as Adam describes. And so, in terms of meat, we can see that in the sense of you know the certainly up until I don't know, it's I wouldn't say it's always been this way, or there's like some sort of been a, some sort of massive change in history or something, but there has been this tension between representing meat as something unto itself and mm. free floating and apart from any living animals. Um, and that has been intention with the fact that people also know that meat does come from an animal. Um, that's that's going off, of course, a little bit. So you did mention there that um, Catherine Oliver refers to um, influencer activist vegans. And um, I think it's worth just kind of expanding on that a little bit. We've obviously spoken quite a lot on this podcast about this kind of branding of vegans. This is what, it, when when it gets the, to the reading, the people listening will, you know, understand the types of um, people that Catherine Oliver is writing about because it's... Um, I mean, people based largely on social media, so, you know, they're this confluence of like supposedly an activist, but an influencer. So the way they do their activism is by influencing people online to go vegan by showing, for example, pictures of them eating great vegan food or being at a vigil um, and like showing the suffering of the animals and all that kind of stuff. So the majority of these influencer a- influencer activists, I think wh- why it's a good term is because it really pulls out that bit about the influencer. I mean, basically these people are, are, are living, many of them, pretty good lifestyles um, as quote-unquote activists. Um, so, and it's not just in veganism as well. I mean, there's influencer activists in, in every kind of niche social justice group that you can think of really so it's a thing you know there's like a lot of climate influencer activists that i see and i guess some people would 
also happily call themselves influencer activists because um, they think that this kind of influencer thing can be applied to you know ethical ethical stuff which i think there's like a bit of a an issue with that um but anyway yeah i'm probably going off on a tangent but yeah it seems like it's grounded in the mentality that you just need enough people and then something will change yeah it's like and that's exactly why it's so like typical i guess in veganism it's like you know veganism is always about well the mainstream vegan movement is always about let's get more people to go vegan and we'll reach a tipping point and so yeah so the influencer activists are like you know the more followers i can get the more people i can reach the more uh more of those people will go vegan when they see the content i'm posting so it's very like content based but when you really dig into them and see what they're they're doing they're basically content creators um and they're using animal rights as as they kind of um well the way to live to survive to and actually have a pretty good lifestyle um so i don't think they would see themselves being branded as an influencer activist as a bad thing but like i personally think an influencer activist is like not a good thing really um but also just one thing uh, to point out on this as well which i think is interesting is that there's some research that shows that actually influencers aren't as influential as we think they are because actually they're more likely to follow what their followers want them to do rather than them being the leader so james aspie earthling ed joey carbstrong they're so confident about that they're like leading the pack you know they're like groundbreaking and that sort of stuff but actually they'll never do anything too risky that might like get them to lose followers or whatever um so they actually and i suppose the way i think of it is like a fashion influencer isn't going to probably take too big a risk they're going to respond to what their followers want saying oh i really like you and this item of clothing or whatever or this brand or this whatever and the vegan influencer activists are the same you know so that's interesting so the fact is they think they're like the influencers but actually they're a lot more bound by um, what their followers expect of them um, which is why when you look at someone like Joey Carbstrong, his, I mean, his material never changes. Yeah, he no. just delivers what the followers want. That's what they want and that's what they get, you know. So, yeah. I mean, th they all do. Uh, yeah. You know, they all, yeah. for the last, what, five, seven, eight years, um, it's, it's always exactly the same. And on the one hand, I'm like, well, I guess if you want to make a point, then you do just have to hammer the same thing over and mm -hmm. over again. But mm -hmm. at the, on the other hand, I'm like, I mean, surely they must have some other ideas, some fresh ideas, or they must have they must read like, mm. and surely mm. they read and try and incorporate, <laughs> yeah, yeah. try and incorporate new ideas. Or yes, yeah. it's it's hard. That's to the know. thing. It's it's when yeah they're doing it for the likes and the follows, and you know Joey Carbstrong puts up stuff about you know my my new video will premiere at seven on YouTube. Please share this post so that you know it gets out there and this kind of stuff. It's all very. It's based around how to promote yourself on mm. social media yeah so they're very and i mean when they're make when you're making money off it 
you know that's the thing you um yeah you give people what they want and they just keep you keep getting paid for it The next one that I had down is hegemonic masculinity, mm-hmm. which is used a, f- uh, a few times in in Oliver's article. Um, and this, I mean, you know, a, a bit like absent referent is is really grounded in uh, kind of academic critical theory, but also using words that you know, if you just read the dictionary, you kind of get a grasp on roughly what it means mm. as well. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll just try and explain what I. I think Oliver, or how I think Oliver is is using it. So hegemony is the means by which one social class retains its dominance over its subjects, or like the the other classes that are, are below that are dominated. Um, how it retains that dominance through the manufacture of consent um, amongst the subjects amongst the ruled classes. So hegemony does have, I mean, you know, it's, it's an old word. It, it stems from, from ancient Greek, uh, but in its uh, current understanding and it's the, the way that we use it today, uh, the idea of hegemony was developed by Antonio Gramsci, who was a Marxist theorist, and he used the term cultural hegemony in which the ruling classes use culture to manufacture support for their rule among the working classes, um, even in the face of harsh economic conditions. So he was trying to explain through a Marxist lens how the ruling classes or the bourgeoisie, as Gramsci would have said, the bourgeoisie, how it uses cultural factors and not just economic factors to maintain its dominance because he felt that you couldn't explain how the bourgeoisie were able to uh, maintain their place purely through economic explanations. Mm-hmm. So he came up with this idea of cultural hegemony. So that would include things like uh, fashion sense, uh, mannerisms and accents, what type of literature you read, uh, what philosophers you read, if any, whether you even care about philosophy, that kind of thing. So all those mm. things which we might think of as uh, traditionally as high culture were used to yeah, stratify society and, and uh, used as basically another weapon to, to um, yeah, maintain that social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hegemonic masculinity, that is how masculinity manufactures consent for its dominance within our culture and in terms of how oliver observes veganism and how she deploys the phrase hegemonic masculinity within her article she's saying that masculinity is given primacy while also manufacturing consent for that primacy or for that dominance within vegan circles through the use of what she calls redemption narratives, which could have a whole explanation by itself, but I don't necessarily think Mm. it needs to be explained here. But the idea that vegan men have somehow gone from being, um, they've they've redeemed themselves through veganism um, 
And part of that redemption is maintaining a very masculine image within a subculture, i.e. veganism, that to the wider popular culture is broadly feminized. Mm-hmm. So, yes, so hegemonic masculinity is a type of masculinity that manufactures consent for its own dominance within veganism mm-hmm. by uh, being both masculine but also playing the card of, uh, you know, being masculine is really hard or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So another term that's used is quasi-religious. And um, when you look up like the dictionary definition of this, um, it's something along the lines of, you know, quasi means like, you know, um, similar to or, you know, uh, quite like that. So the vegan influencer activists um, aren't like openly religious in like, say, a Christian sense, but a lot of the stuff they do has like quasi-religious undertones. Um, so it's that just means like the way that they go about promoting and um, talking about this stuff is often, in a, I know it sounds obvious, but in a religious way. Um, I'm trying to think like an example. I mean, I just, well, we can get a whole other episode out of this on cults and stuff, but I do find that mainstream veganism has very similar qualities of like cult membership, unfortunately. And I know people will be like hanging their heads and being like, oh, that's what anti-vegans always say to vegans and shit. But it really is true, especially when you look at someone like Earthling Ed and the kind of uh, reverence for him. People always talk about him. Um, you know, about how patient he is when he's having an argument with a meat eater and how does he do it? He has this like infinite reserve of patience and I could never do that and all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of puts people on this like pedestal. Yeah, it's odd. So yeah, um, but it yeah, when people hear the reading, you know, it'll make sense in the context. Um, but I think there's a bigger thing there to discuss about um the kind of cult-like aspects of vegan influencer activists, for sure. Yeah, there's also, um, I, th- I think this happens less now, maybe, but there's definitely uh, a time when I seem to see a lot of people, a lot of animal rights or, or vegan people online using phrases like uh, innocent animals, mm-hmm. yeah. um, like little angels yes like that yeah yeah um which i i get where they're coming from but you know i I, that's inherently religious language especially Mm. things like innocence which implies like you know sin free um we don't know that you know that 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 pig or that cow might be a right bastard (laughs) (laughs) but even if you know even if they aren't you can't yeah just it's more reflective of the people saying it and that's definitely that kind of like more religious mindset but i think i think maybe it happens a bit less now but i remember certainly when like save first started up i seem to remember seeing a lot of that on there 
Yeah, and I think we've spoken about save before and um, the kind of problems with that, how it comes from that, like Christian, like it's got that Christian nonviolence, but mm. like also Gandhi gets thrown in the mix a lot and all that kind of stuff, yeah. The last term that I wanted to highlight is cultural capital. Cultural capital is the idea that people can gain and retain social power through cultural factors rather than economic factors, or that there's power to be gained through cultural factors uh, rather than economic factors. The term was introduced into academic discourse by uh, another another French dude uh, called Pierre Bourdieu, and he describes cultural factors um, as symbolic concepts. This kind of goes back to hegemony, uh, and you can see kind of how they start interlinking uh, within the kind of greater critical theory pool of ideas. So Bourdieu described cultural factors as symbolic concepts such as fashion or interpersonal connections such as like who you know um, or educational background which schools you went to or how far you progressed through academia Um, and that people who are closer to the dominant symbolic concepts within society have greater cultural capital so the people who went to the best schools uh, wear the most expensive clothing or at least the most fashionable clothing etc they're more likely to have far greater degree of cultural capital when bourdieu was using it because he was a um, cultural theorist he was using it in reference to society as a whole but the term can be used and has been expanded on by other thinkers to explain how cultural capital can be um, constructed within any subculture Um, so that any subculture can have this hierarchy built within it. And this is kind of a more colloquial term uh, that that sums this up quite well, is the idea of uh, like a big fish in a small pond. Mm. So, you know, being at the top of a small, being a big fish in a small pond is better than being a, you know, small fish in in a big pond. Within her article, Oliver explains that vegans can gain cultural capital within the vegan scene, by both embodying traditional masculinity while at the same time claiming their version of masculinity disrupts the hegemonic masculinity of wider society. And that goes back to, um, yeah, the the first term, the absent reference, and also Mm -hmm. brings in the ideas of hegemonic masculinity. So, um, yeah, you know, it's... There's lots of ways that that people can gain cultural capital um, within veganism, and in Oliver's article, it's looking very much at like the the male body, but it's not necessarily that. You know, awful Simon, the meme factory, um, gains cultural capital through memes, mm. for mm-hmm. example. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, one where the meme that fits this is. Um... Real men eat plants or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, the only way to shoot an animal, it's like a guy with a, a camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's 
those are terms used in Oliver's article um, that mm-hmm. I've explained and, and you've explained, and hopefully mm-hmm. that helps clarify the the reading for people that mm, may not have a grasp on um, or a, a, you know, like a, a, a clearer understanding of, of these academic terms that Oliver has used. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so on to the reading. This is a reading of an article by Dr. Catherine Oliver. Mock Meat, Masculinity and Redemption Narratives Vegan Men's Negotiations and Performances of Gender and Eating Abstract Veganism's visibility has soared in recent years. Contemporary veganism has built a trident approach of outreach that emphasizes health benefits, ethical concerns about animals and environmentally sustainable consumption. With this growth, there have been opportunities for influencer activists to profit from positioning themselves as movement leaders. This is often connected with thin, white, wealthy women and the wellness industry. But there is also a changing, meatless masculinity within vegan influencer activist spaces. Hegemonic ideals of masculinity around physical strength and virility are being hyper-individualized to sell veganism through embodied and cultural performances of Redemption Narratives by Vegan Influencer Activist Men. However, in interviews with vegan men in Britain, their relation to these meatless masculinities was found to be in tension with hegemonic masculinity. Interviewees instead related their veganism to an ungoverning of masculine bodily ideals. Veganism was revealed in the interviews as entangled with men representing themselves as part of a progressive masculinity that engages with feminist ideas, even if they are sometimes misunderstood. In this paper, I explore the prevalence and purpose of these masculinity narratives online through social media examples, before exploring a contradictory growth in the rethinking and rejection of hegemonic masculinity within the vegan constituency through interviews. I conclude that while vegan masculinities offer the potential for men to be a little less governed by gendered norms, there remains a need for vegans to more fully embrace a feminist and intersectional veganism that is not dominated by whiteness and masculinist ideals. Introduction The connection between masculinity and meat-eating has long been the subject of critique. Carol J. Adams, 1990, argues that male dominance and eating animals are intertwined modes of oppression that work to objectify, fragment and consume both women and animals as absent reference. In Vegan Feminist Theory, the affinities between women's and animals' oppression first took the form of biological, colonialist, and heterosexual theory, which in turn demonstrates the ethico-political imperatives of veganism for women. Gard, 1997. Such perspectives continue to be used in vegan activism against dairy and egg consumption, but vegan feminist thinkers have developed this theory beyond comparative modes of inquiry. Paying attention to the gendered performances of veganism, Greenbaum and Dexter, 2018, the association of femininity with veganism, Adams, 1990, sexism and racism within the vegan movement, 
Wren 2017, and understanding meat and masculinity as connected social embodiments of patriarchal norms where eating meat makes men feel like men, Rothberger 2013. Animal activism has a history of being positioned as women's work, Adams and Donovan 2007. Contemporary veganism has enjoyed growth and visibility that is in part, although not entirely, linked to a particular kind of femininity through the rise of Instagram's wellness aesthetic of thin, young, white and wealthy women, Greenbaum 2018. In independent surveys commissioned by the Vegan Society 2019, UK vegans have been reported as quadrupling between 2014 and 2019, 150,000 or 0.25% of the population to 600,000 or 1.16%. Those most commonly following a vegan diet were women aged between 18 and 34 years, Statista 2019. In 2016, the Vegan Society found that twice as many women as men were vegan, which is echoed in statistics from the USA, Report Buyer 2020. Vegetarian gender breakdowns show 59% women to 41% men, but for veganism, this shot to 79% women, Humane Research Council, 2014. Relatedly, when Ruby and Hine, 2011, asked people to rate the virtues and masculinity of people based on descriptions of their diet and health activities, they found that vegetarian targets were perceived as more virtuous, but less masculine. Despite this, there is an overrepresentation of white male leaders in animal philosophies and theory, as well as in activism. Co. 2017. In this paper, I attend to a particular kind of meatless masculinity, performed through redemption narratives, to understand how hegemonic masculinity and mainstream veganism are connected. This is connected to a hyper-individualization of activism that promotes individuals as the face and body of the movement, isolating them from their community. Freeman and Dark Star Collective, 2012. The redemption narrative of veganism and masculinity is twofold. First, representing veganism as saving men from a life of violence, linked often to criminal behavior and substance abuse. And secondly, in protecting hegemonic masculinity by glorifying physical strength and virility. In other words, this performance of vegan masculinity represents at once changing everything and nothing about manliness and masculinity outside of eating animals. As Hart, 2018, contends, there is little room for alternative gender performativity in the online spaces of veganism that reinforce tropes describing carnivorous men and manly meals with hopes of satiating male appetites. In this paper, online masculinity performances are contrasted with interviews with vegan men. By bringing together online and offline vegan spaces, I explore how the two are in dynamic and sometimes opposing relation. The negotiations of gender discussed in interviews relate to an ungoverning of masculine ideals in bodies, whereby veganism can loosen the tight grip of patriarchal normalization as constituted in and through disordered eating habits and constitute subjects that are a little less governed by gender norms. Dean, 2014. In this paper, I first critically discuss the literature surrounding masculinity, meat, and veganism, arguing that masculinities in veganism reflect patriarchal societal norms outside of it. There is then a methods and ethics section. The redemption narrative is then discussed through a critical analysis of anonymized male vegan activist influencers' Instagram accounts in Britain, Australia, and the USA. 
In the next section, From Online to Offline Masculinities, I connect these redemption narratives with a valorizing of activism as a gendered ideal, Craddock 2019, that puts demands upon activists to secure their activist identity in gendered ways. Finally, in Negotiations of Masculinity, interviews with male vegans in Britain explore the expression of identities in tension with hegemonic masculinity. I conclude that these geographies of mock meat, masculinity and redemption are shaping interior and exterior perspectives of veganism, and that there is a need for vegans to more fully embrace a feminist and intersectional veganism that is not dominated by whiteness and masculinist ideals. Meatless Masculinities Contemporary veganism has built a trident approach of outreach that emphasizes health benefits, ethical concerns about animals, and environmentally sustainable consumption. This approach to veganism aims to appeal to a wide range of people, Gracian 2020. However, as explored by vegan feminist scholars, Greenbaum and Dexter 2018, Wren 2017, a focus on health within veganism has been overemphasized, prioritizing and disciplining how vegan bodies look within thin-privileging Western patriarchal society. This has been at the expense of other kinds of goodness, such as being part of collective transformation and emancipatory practice, Oliver 2021. As Teen and Del Casino Jr. contend, being men and being healthy seem to be contradictory socio-spatial states, Teen and Del Casino 2012. Gender, emotion and health are linked together in the narratives of men's bodies. For male vegan influencer activists, health is not a tentative backdrop, but a forceful foregrounding of strong bodies of masculinity. Masculinity performances work to legitimize veganism by reframing compassion as a masculinized trait, reinscribing hegemonic masculinity, defined as an overemphasis of behaviors and performances of physical strength, emotional detachment, and competitiveness. Bird, 1996. Hegemonic masculinity has a long transnational history of association with eating animals. In Argentina and Uruguay, the meat of cows is entangled with gaucho culture. Zuckerman, 2010. While in Western cultures, meat in heterosexual marriages is invoked in multiple cultural scripts for strong men, healthy men, wealthy men, sensitive men, and other conceptions of masculinities are employed in marital negotiations about doing meat. Sobel, 2006. Members of the Norwegian Armed Forces were resistant to meat reduction because of the association of eating animals with protein, masculinity, and comfort. Kildal and Licker, 2017. In Vietnam, dog meat venues are masculine spaces where men recharge and boost their masculinity and sexual prowess with food. Avieli, 2011. But within narratives of hegemonic masculinity, Vietnamese dog-eating masculinity has its unique characteristics de-emphasized. Avieli, 2011. Scholars of food and masculinities have questioned how and why meat preparation and eating have become quintessential male domestic activities that are symbolically gender-loaded. Julia and Lindenfield, 2005. In Cairns et al.'s 2010 research on foodie culture, they found that although there are contestations of traditional gender roles, broader gender inequalities remained intact, and this is similarly replicated in veganism. The way we do vegetarianism is inseparable from the ways we do gender. Delesio Parson, 2017. Entangled with these meaty masculinities, 
is a manifestation of refusing meat as femininity in social contexts where vegetarianism is characterized as effeminate and lacking the essential ingredients for being a real man. Nath, 2010. Yet, in recent years, some vegan men have pushed back against these effeminate and vegetal masculinities, with activist men gaining cultural capital as influencer activists or simultaneously embodying masculinity and traditionally feminized compassion. The promotion of veganism to men as a health choice emphasizes virility and fitness within the movement, but in wider society, veganism remains feminized, especially in men's magazines such as GQ and Esquire, Johnson, 2011. Even since Greenbaum's 2018 study, the landscape of veganism has transformed in Britain, with increasing visibility on supermarket shelves being Britain's fastest-growing food product market, Live Kindly 2019. The first vegan cooking show, Matt Pritchard's Dirty Vegan, launched on the BBC in 2019, and The Economist labelled 2019 the Year of the Vegan. This growing visibility has put veganism under increasing scrutiny, moving from a fringe belief into the social and cultural mainstream. But, instead of a growing diversity of leaders and figures, veganism is continually represented by white men who claim their presence is legitimizing of an otherwise feminized, vegetal, and therefore dismissed movement. In 2019, Netflix released Louis Sahoyo's The Game Changers, a documentary in which former UFC fighter James Wilkes spends thousands of hours studying nutrition and recovery after sustaining an injury. In doing so, he discovers that the original professional fighters, Roman gladiators, were vegetarian. Wilkes meets mostly male athletes, soldiers, and scientists to discover the truth about the relationship between a vegan diet and physical strength. The film is produced by vegan strongmen, athletes, and celebrities Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jackie Chan, Lewis Hamilton, Novak Djokovic, and filmmaker James Cameron. Foregrounding scientific evidence of health benefits, or the lack of health detriment, for elite athletes, the documentary presents an aesthetic of masculinity that is muscular, militarized, and mobilized to engage young, male watchers to envision the possibility of their own enhanced masculinity on a plant-based diet. The film takes heed of Vegaphobia, Cole and Morgan 2011, that directs ridicule at veganism and resists this by presenting the ideal bodies of men undertaking remarkable feats of strength and endurance. By analyzing their metabolic processes during the film, credibility is presented not only in vegans feeling and performing better, but being better at the biological and metabolic scale. Traditional associations of masculinity and meat are being hybridized by vegan men, Greenbaum and Dexter 2018, to balance traditional masculinity with their veganism to prevent it affecting their relationship and social standing, Markovsky and Roxburgh 2019. Questions remain, however, about virtual spaces of hypermasculine veganism's impact in the activist community and the underpinning values and intentions of rebranding compassionate ethics within meatless masculinity. The study of masculinity without meat is an emerging field, and as veganism as a social movement mainstreams, meatless masculinity is produced within and outside of veganism itself. In this paper, I explore the hypervisible online spaces of vegan masculinity through critical analysis of vegan influencer activist men on Instagram, and balance these representations with empirical data from interviews with vegan men, as discussed in the following section. 
In doing so, I consider how meatless masculinity coalesces with and contradicts vegan masculinities that play up and down their ethics and politics as part of a multiple and progressive masculinity. Hashtag vegan men, methods and ethics. Seven in-depth, semi-structured interviews following feminist research principles are drawn on in this paper. Interviews were undertaken during 2018 as part of a wider research project on veganism in Britain. These interviews raise important contributions to the literatures on masculinity in the vegan movement. In particular, male interviewees made connections between veganism and engaging in careful negotiations of masculinity that work to lay up and down their veganism as part of a multiple and progressive masculinity. This theme emerged within manual coding and analysis of interview transcripts. Feminist research practice prioritizes and recognizes partiality, subjectivity, and reflexivity, arguing that lived experience is a crucial standpoint. Bessio, 2005. The interviews took an open, conversational tone, seeking honest reflection, with one interviewee referring to the conversation as cathartic. The interviews were reciprocal processes and spaces, rather than the interviewer eliciting and receiving information. Dowling, 2011. Participants were recruited via social media calls and selected by the author based on a sample of locations and ages. Alongside these interviews, I conducted a selective discourse analysis on the Instagram accounts of male vegans who are full-time paid influencer activists based in Australia, Britain and the USA. While based across three countries, each of these influencers has a large UK-based following and has featured regularly on UK television, radio and animal activist campaigns. Because the virtual space has fewer geographical limits and reaches, the most popular influencers in UK activist circles are not necessarily based in the UK. Anglo-American-Australian perspectives are intimately entangled with one another in animal activism, both in theoretical approaches and institutional connections, Oliver, 2021, through which activist sensibilities have been exported. The influencers were chosen based on these multiple factors, as well as criteria relating to their influence discussed below. The influencer activists would all be considered meso-influencers, Berman 2020, having between 145,000 and 450,000 followers, with accounts all fully in the public domain and relatively high profile, regularly appearing on TV, podcasts and in magazines. In the analysis, I am informed by Cosinet's ethical ethnographic requirements for online research, Cosinets, 2015. The research ethics of online research are based on two non-trivial, contestable and interrelated concerns. Are the online sites used to be considered a private or public site, and what constitutes informed consent in cyberspace? Cosinets, 2007. Cosinets advocates for netnography to be more human-centered, participative, personally, socially and emotionally engaged vector. Cosinets 2015. The data used in this paper is deemed low risk and public. However, I have removed all identifying data, adopting a moderate disguise by summarizing image captions rather than direct quotes to avoid tracing via search engines. S. 2006. Changing names and omitting locations. This has also meant that I have not provided links to specific posts according to the ethical review for this research. Hukwe 2008, Sigiura et al. 2017. 
To indicate where quotes from captions have been summarized and reworded in the empirical sections, I have italicized these parts. Pseudonyms have been used for interviewees and influencer activists. The influencer activists were chosen because of their strong online narratives, allowing for insights into their personas and performances, Fallon, 2014. Their longevity as online influencer activists, and as part of an Anglo-American-Australian forms of white Western veganism, emerging in the wake of animal activists Peter Singer, Tom Reagan, and Richard Ryder. The posts analysed were a sample of those meeting the following criteria. Between 2015 and 2020, not paid advertisements, showing the man alone, and with captions about masculinity, protein, meat, and or their pasts. A small selection of posts containing all of these elements have been considered in-depth for each influencer activist, whilst other images and captions on their profiles are used for context. I analysed in-depth 10 posts for each influencer based on their hashtags and caption content, which was coded according to themes of mock meat, animals, activism, past, compassion, and protein. This totaled 30 posts. I analyzed these following feminist research principles and, again, prioritizing in-depth analysis. I used their wider profiles contextually, such as in one case, an influencer regularly sharing messages and photographs of weight loss or muscle gain he has been sent from people who have been changed forever by following him, allowed insights into how he engaged in redemption narratives beyond his own. The Redemption Narrative in this section, I critically analyze three vegan Instagram influencer activist men's online narratives of exposing their historical bad behaviors eating animals. This is placed in contrast to the purity and morality of their veganism represented in virtuous, healthy bodies. The transition to veganism, especially when undertaken for animal rights, involves painful confrontations with past behaviors, McDonald, 2000. In making eating animals confluent with past deviant behaviours at the margins of society, these vegan influencer activists each curate a deliberate political aesthetic that guides their audience towards veganism as a transformative moral good. Robbie regularly shares stories from his past life affiliated with gangs and drug use. He shares his past damaging behaviours as part of a denial of his compassionate nature. His vegan narrative centers around this lifestyle as unsustainable after leaving prison and getting sober, so he moved away from his previous lifestyle and began building a life as a vegan activist fueled by his anger at injustice. Robbie advises his followers that they don't need to know how he became a full-time activist, but rather that they should prioritize doing it themselves. Robbie's narrative moves him away from dangerous and criminalized activities and presents his veganism as part of a reformation of himself as a man. The continual balancing of the past and present imbue a performance of veganism that centers aesthetics of compassion as part of a reformed masculinity. Robbie regularly posts pictures of himself with farmed animals at sanctuaries, embracing them in his arms or kissing their heads. In captions, Robbie shares the stories of animals rescued from dairy, meat, and fur industries, and calls upon his followers to defend animals unapologetically. In these hypermasculine performances and presentations of the Instagram influencer activists is a reaction to the seeping of perceived femaleness into and of their bodies through veganism. 
The deployment of compassion by male activists is an attempt at legitimizing emotion in animal activism, where for women, this sentimentality has been constructed as detrimental. Probin Rapsi et al. 2019. Will is a vegan influencer activist who is regularly featured on news segments and media interviews as a self-proclaimed voice for the voiceless. His Instagram narrative begins with his learning about the violence of animal and dairy eating, when he was moved from not even being an animal lover to becoming vegan. As a personal trainer, Will believed eating animals was important for protein and muscle building, to discipline his body into an ideal shape, size and weight. Bartke, 1990. He regularly shares shirtless photographs, gym videos, and contrasts his vegan body image with old images of himself to present a transformation not in his physical appearance, but his comfort and confidence with his body being more at ease with the world. As part of Will's brand, he emphasizes how veganism coexists with retaining his ideal body, muscular, lean, and now vegan, also morally pure. Greenbaum, 2012. Where these ideals are usually metabolized through consuming animals, Will is dedicated to sharing how his body relies on a non-violent diet, posting photos of burgers, kebabs, and skewers to demonstrate how veganism retains the shape and aesthetic of eating animals. The continuation of known food and rituals is emphasized by Will, allowing him to refute the idea of veganism as a sacrifice or as lacking in social, cultural, or nutritional value. Schneider and Tay Mulder, 2009. Instead, the focus is on the removal of guilt from eating and constructing his body and diet as adhering to moral goodness. The redemption narrative in Will's Instagram is one that reconstitutes his body and masculinity from the inside out, remaining externally consistent but internally both healthier and morally improved. In the influencer-activist narratives, clear tensions were found between ethical veganism as an intervention at the point of consumption within the production of exploitative and gendered human-animal-environmental relations and the focus upon an individualized lifestyle politics. Doyle, 2016. As such, ideal bodies and meatless masculinity are positioned themselves as activism. An emphasis on voicelessness in veganism has manifested as another form of redemption narrative, the saviour complex. Dan is a vegan activist influencer performing this saviour narrative. His Instagram aesthetic is that of a movement leader, sharing clips of invited talks, travels around the world, heading up protests, and posing with animals to highlight his personal and deep connections with other species. In two posts in late 2019, Dan reflects on the transformative power of becoming vegan. He calls for his followers to reflect on their actions in paying others to kill for them and taking away the rights of other animals by educating themselves. In one post, Dan reflects on the contradictions of visiting a zoo as a non-vegan animal lover and how this planted the seeds of veganism. In the other, he shares the challenges he faced depriving himself of his love for eating chicken but how, when faced with the truth of animal farming and slaughter, his rights and justifications to eat chickens faded into the background and he aligned his values and actions. This is when he began calling upon others to do the same to also find this truth. The quasi-religious undertones of alternative foodways serve as a purpose in marking identities, bounding a community group, 
functioning to move ethical eating beyond individualist practices. Zeller, 2015. Dan's popularity is based on a redemption narrative that doesn't rely on hegemonic masculine ideals of physical strength and emotional detachment, but rather reframes these ideals as strength of character and belief in overcoming one's own desires for a larger collective goal, demonstrating fortitude as a leader. In doing so, Dan moves away from reproducing the aesthetics of hypermasculine ideals on his Instagram, although he is a lean, able-bodied young white man. He instead deploys a redemption narrative of hegemonic masculinity as moral strength. In revealing his flawed past of eating animals, Dan leaves open the path of redemption to those behind him. The redemption narrative has powerful influence over veganism's public perception and vegans' understanding of themselves. Vegan influencer activists document their lives as wholly dedicated to animal activism, presenting paid influencer activism as not only a possible but a desirable lifestyle, and in doing so valorises activism as highly individualistic. This demands that activists be untethered from external responsibilities and to participate in particular kinds of transformative discourse and direct action to secure their activist identity. Craddock. The success of influencer activists and their repackaging of masculinity is a willing participation in individualising activism, Freeman and Darkstar Collective, 2012, even as their performances promote their stance as for the animals. The redemption narrative, as determinedly individualistic and reinforcing hegemonic masculinity, has morphed into a means to sell activism, not through product placement or sponsored advertisements on social media, although these are also present, but in treating activism as a commodity that eventually returns financial, aesthetic and or cultural capital. The accumulation of these forms of capital polices the boundaries of activism, leaving little room for manoeuvre and mistakes. When influencers fail in their self-proclaimed ideal activist duties, these same rigid policing boundaries are easily turned upon them. Interviews with activists in Britain disrupt these idealised notions and centre instead lived realities of veganism as imbued with gendered, raced and classed realities. Ramirez, 2015 The interviews that I conducted were all with men who engaged in some form of vegan activism, be that online, protests or interpersonal activism, but who did not define themselves primarily as activists. For them, ideas of activism are informed by historical animal activism, as Rhys and Alf discuss respectively in the quotes below. I feel unworthy of calling myself an activist because I have this sense that to be an activist you have to do X, Y, Z, be really outspoken, be really active, do all this stuff. That's my perception when I think of an activist. Rhys 12th June 2018 Everyone has this image of the 80s and 90s activists handcuffed to a tractor without being there back then. To call myself an activist I would be doing more than just being vegan, but that could be as simple as bringing vegan food to work or inviting non-vegans to events or having an Instagram. Alf, 29th of March 2018 For many vegans, activism is far removed from these hyper-individualised narratives where more everyday relations are understood as activists through conversations and food sharing. Where social media is mentioned, the men I interviewed were concerned with it as a platform to share veganism, but not one they identified with. As Jack told me, there is a lot of crazy stuff that goes on online, 
Although online stuff can be a platform for connecting people up, my worry is that a lot of the time, people's activism becomes limited to a keyboard. If you really want to have some impact, do what animal rights activists have done for the past nearly 100 years and go out and physically do something, because those are the people who really do have the impact. Jack, 18th of April, 2018. Underpinning the proliferation of hypermasculine bodies by prominent influencer activists is a curation of an aesthetic wellness and health that is profitable and sells veganism, that also taps into lineages of doing something. By selling themselves as the end product of veganism, influencer activists entangle their ethics with desired and desirable bodies. Here, Vegan male goodness is always in relation with and informed by masculine bodies built on metabolising meat. However, veganism can shift eating beyond the body, enabling people to transition from social disconnection and a focus on body image to a stronger emotional, empathic, cognitive and behavioural investment in their social worlds. Costa et al. 2019 It is this ungoverning of the body that begins to undo hegemonic masculinity. I'm not just doing this for environmental factors or animal rights, but also to do with how my body feels, my body's comfort. So I kind of feel like there is this body justification. Charlie, 1st of June, 2018. Breaking from traditional masculinities of veganism is politically and socially transformative for vegan men. Adam's feminist vegetarian theory, 1990 is vital to understanding and critiquing the embodiment of vegan masculinities. Both feminists and vegetarians are accused of negativity because they appear to require that something be given up as opposed to their own perspective in which they are emphasising the positive choice. Who is a feminist or vegetarian becomes a vexed question and the principles are transformed into being moralistic. The redemption narratives of influencer activists centre themselves as white men, as the leaders of animal activism. The vegan men interviewed, while understanding themselves as engaging in alternative progressive masculinities, are also often complicit in mainstream veganism's white, patriarchal and capitalist tendencies. Where mainstream veganism is structured around whiteness and racism, Polish 2016, the overexposure of white male influencer activists can be understood as a microcosm of societal privileging of whiteness and masculinity as authoritative. Harper, 2017. In the following section, I explore how these tensions are navigated for vegan men who play up and down their masculinity in relation to both patriarchal society and ideas of feminism in the vegan movement. Negotiations of Masculinity In this section, I explore how vegans are expressing their identities in tension or opposition to traditional constructions of masculinity. Veganism attracts attention because it reflects changing attitudes towards animals, food and the environment, but it also creates anxiety in relation to other social, economic and political issues, including class, race, gender, sexuality, disability, gentrification, globalisation and environmental protection. Hamilton, 2019. Veganism is a form of feminist intervention. It's about challenging the status quo, disrupting social norms. It's about challenging what is comfortable and inevitable 
and I think that is what is so pervasive about a lot of these discourses, because that is, of course, what they are. Narratives that we get sold are so problematic because people get told them and believe they're inevitable. Where have you heard that before? Oh yes, gender norms, societal expectations, etc. If you want to draw the feminist comparison, I think that is where we do see some of the generational tensions. Matthew, 5th June 2018 Matthew, above, identifies the overlaps between his feminism and veganism. In thinking about vegan men's relationships with feminism and masculinity as entangled, trans study scholar Long Chu's exploration on gender and desire are pertinent. Everyone is female and everyone hates it. Long Chu, 2019. Chu argues that all gender is internalised misogyny. Gender is not just the misogynistic expectations a female internalises, but also the process of internalising itself. Long Chu. 2019. This internalisation process aligns with Carol J. Adams' proposition that making animals and women absent reference is a point of intersection between sexual violence and meat-eating. The absent referent is both there and not there. Its meaningfulness reflects only upon what it refers to because the originating, literal experience that contributes the meaning is not there. Or, as Adams continues, this metaphoric borrowing depends on violation, yet fails to protest the originating violence does not acknowledge interlocking oppressions. Long Chu, 2019. Vegan performances of gender and masculinity have material consequences beyond themselves. For Greenbaum and Dexter, 2018, the reclaiming of masculinity in veganism can reinforce misogyny as men navigate complex and contested identities that are in friction with hegemonic ideals and behaviours. Yet, where men connect their progressive vegan masculinity to feminist ideals, they can reflect a patriarchal structure. We can see the hypermasculine performances and presentations of Instagram influencer activists in the previous section as a reaction to the seeping of perceived femaleness into and of their bodies through veganism. For interviewees, this capitulation to the absent referent of not only animals, but also of potential femaleness, is evident in the ways they felt that they didn't fit within veganism. I don't fit what people think a vegan is. I play football, I used to play rugby, I go to the gym, and that unexpected masculinity has become problematic for some people. When you see cage fighters, boxers and triathletes saying, I'm vegan, they can't challenge it anymore. Matthew, 5th June. 2018. In another quote from Matthew, the same ideas of hegemonic masculinity played up in the film Game Changers are evident. These quotes suggest that a simultaneous navigation of feminism and veganism is aligned with traditional masculinity. By challenging perspectives of veganism, Matthew's veganism is held in dynamic relation to his masculinity. The activities and behaviour he enjoys are typically manly yet are, for him, inherently located in a feminist politics. His veganism has troubled his relationships with other men, where he'd always have a bond with their animals, which was really funny, but a couple of friends are really jealous, the men, when their dogs prefer me. Every time I go to their house, the dog sits on my lap and his owner tries to drag them back. Matthew, 5th June 2018 Similarly, his experiences as a vegan at the football club began with teasing, but eventually transformed into interest from teammates, learning from his expert value 
leading to changes such as vegan food after matches, something he claims as a form of quiet activism. The troubling of relationships with other men was echoed by Rees, who recounted his experience and nervousness of attending a stag do and having to disclose his veganism. They were all meat-eaters and I was worried that there was something happening around masculinity, but I probably would have felt like that anyway because I always feel in groups of men doing hyper-masculine things I'm not going to fit in. I'm not alpha male, so if anything, I have probably enjoyed not being associated with that kind of masculinity. That whole thing of real men eat meat is so ludicrous and it's nice to be outside of that. Rees, 12th June 2018 Veganism, for Rees, is not a stark separation from hegemonic masculinity, but rather reaffirms his self-definition in subverting and making ludicrous these performances and practices. Despite his historical dissociation with hegemonic masculinity, Rees is still negotiating his masculinity in and beyond these relations. The anxiety around his belonging in these spaces are not symptomatic of his veganism, but rather this everyday difference can be seen as another expression of resistance to the weight of hegemonic masculinity being realised in his veganism as part of marking himself out as rethinking masculinity, whereby, he says, I've probably enjoyed not being associated with that kind of masculinity. Maybe that is not a good thing to admit that you take pride in making yourself distinct from people. Rees, 12th June, 2018. This negotiation of masculinity was understood by participants as in conversation with wider feminist politics and socially transformative aims, but these were as often a misrepresentation of feminist ideals and women as they weren't. I try to connect and share posts on feminism. Women have got a compassionate approach and understand that females aren't equal, so I try to talk to them about how females are oppressed across species. We're cruel to each other, but we're even more cruel to animals. I try to talk to girls and women who are interested in animal rights, my family members, my young nieces. Simon, 15th June 2018 By centering this connection between women and animals, Simon, above, is seeking to share veganism and its benefits with the women in his life and playing out tropes of victimhood and voicelessness that, ultimately, work to misrepresent both feminist and vegan issues. The divide between academic understandings and theorisations of veganism's intersections with other forms of socio-political struggle have not yet translated to activist or everyday deployments in advocacy. In his networks, Simon is appealing to feminism to call upon women to engage in veganism as a form of interspecies solidarity. His attendance to how this is at work in terms of resisting masculinity are, however, less nuanced and tend towards patronising relations. These vegan men are reshaping not only their masculinity, but also their approaches towards feminist ideals around themselves as they negotiate vegan masculinities. Other interviewees were more critically aware of the limitations of veganism, partially attributed to their activism in other arenas, such as Charlie, who spoke at length about feminism, LGBTQ plus issues, and veganism. I see veganism as a dietary practice, but I also see veganism as entangled with feminist politics, the rights of animals, the rights of the earth. Eating is so entangled with everyday gendered lives. I see it as another feminist issue in the way food becomes entangled in men's bodies. Charlie, 1st June 2018 The association with the rights of the earth and animals with women has been theorised and critiqued readily in conservation and environmentalism, as well as in veganism. Guard, 2011 
Mies and Shiva, 1993. Charlie is also aware of the entanglement of food with gendered lives and is interested in how food becomes entangled in men's bodies, articulating the ungoverning power of veganism to patriarchal norms of eating. Where more typical comparative examples are used to draw together women and animals' bodies, or feminism is produced as a compelling reason to go vegan, this attendance to food entanglement in men's bodies reveals a different kind of politics rethinking masculinity. The intersectional politics of eating and veganism are especially keenly felt by some vegan men when intervening or speaking on women's bodies where, by connecting across species, there are potentially harmful politics at play. However, as Alf explains, it is difficult to imagine how vegan activism can be effective if they do not play into stereotypes of femininity, masculinity or across struggles. The comparisons are trying to get an idea across to people about how we see eating animals. It is difficult to try and get your point across without offending someone, but sometimes you can't think of anything that would change someone's perspective. You're only trying to do it for the better. It is difficult when you are not from that identity and compare to the human side of things, but I think it is difficult to try and get a point across without comparisons. Alf, 29th March, 2018. Alf's exploration of speaking about eating other animals in comparison to marginalised groups recognises the problems of doing so as a privileged outsider. While Alf doesn't necessarily want to rely on these comparative modes of outreach, he struggles to negotiate or practice other modes of activism. In appealing to shared experiences, especially in pain, activists can make highly emotive and effective arguments, but, as Alf himself recognises, Doing so can be potentially offensive and reduce the realities on both human and animal sides. For example, some white vegan influencer activists have recently seen backlash from within the vegan community and the mainstream in their comparisons of animal slaughter to chattel slavery and to the Holocaust. See Solidzowski, 2021. As well as appropriating anti-racist slogans such as Animal Lives Matter and Language of the Holocaust, Misogynistic Deployment of Rape, Kaplan, 2015, and Co-option of LGBTQ plus Coming Out, Basca, 2021, have recently been co-opted by white vegan influencer activists. The violence of these comparisons from white, often male, vegans is not a generous or informed one but one that is reactionary, seeking likes and social and financial capital to be accrued. This is in direct contestation with considered and careful accounts of intersectionality that recognise shared structures of oppression and exertion of power whilst recognising the specificities of causes. See Adams 2010, Co and Co 2017 for example. Masculinity and veganism were revealed in the interviews as entangled with representing themselves, veganism and animals as serious actors that renegotiate masculinity through their veganism as part of a progressive masculinity that engages with feminist ideas, even if they are being misunderstood. The idea of redemption did not feature in the interviews in relation to masculinity suggesting that the narrative portrayed by influencer activists simplifies their relationship to both food and masculinity. For the interviewees, 
the question of masculinity in the vegan movement raises questions about their motivations, practices and difficulties in negotiating veganism as an activist mode of eating and the meaning of their bodies. Conversations around masculinity, feminism and veganism as subversive or resistant to patriarchal norms reveal careful negotiations to play up and down veganism as part of a multiple and progressive masculinity. This stands in contrast to the analysis of popular male vegan activists on Instagram, who conform far more rigidly to ideals of hegemonic masculinity. In comparing the public-facing personas of veganism with more in-depth accounts of the negotiation of masculinity and eating vegan, a complex activist landscape is revealed. Conclusion this paper focuses on the performance of vegan masculinities across online and offline spaces. In online spaces, vegan influencer activists accumulate financial, social and cultural capital by portraying veganism through hegemonic masculine ideals of physical strength and enhanced virility, whilst claiming to disrupt these same norms through redemption narratives. These redemption narratives represent a journey of veganism as at once transformative and a continuation of normality, embodied in the imagery and captions of influencer activists. For some, like Robbie who shares his past of crime and addiction, this transformation is a physical, spatial and temporal one, moving away from these pasts, while for Will, who was a personal trainer, his transformation is largely focused on internal changes. Their attachments to the shape and aesthetic of vegan food and masculinity can be read as an anchor to different aspects of their past. These narratives produce oversimplifications of veganism, activism and masculinity and become a totalising narrative in veganism that refuses nuance. Redemption narratives focus on veganism as an individualistic activity that reinforces and valorises traditional ideas of masculinity whilst erasing complexities and difficulties of vegan activism. These curations of redemption narratives and masculinity are subject to community surveillance and, when the veneer of ideal activist slips, disciplining measures hold these men up to unreachable moral standards. In constructing and capitalising on activism as an ideal that doesn't challenge wider social and political norms, it reproduces imaginations of the activists as untethered from gendered, raced, classed realities. Ramirez, 2015. In performing masculinity through idealism, individualism and redemption, these influencer activists ironically make the shape and aesthetics of veganism less accessible and more distant from the actual vegan constituency they claim to represent. Where ideal activists proliferate on social media, the realities of veganism are removed from these hyper-individualised narratives, but present their own distinct set of concerns around how masculinity is played up and down within veganism. Veganism and masculinity are constantly in dynamic process, reshaped, rethought and differently emphasised, and performed as people become fluent in their veganism. Not only are identities played up in different contexts, but this is also done in relation to how best to either represent or repress veganism as an unimportant identity where there is a perceived threat of hegemonic masculinity backlash. The complexities and multiplicities of veganism as connected with other forms of struggle 
emerge from conscious and deliberate reading across movements, although this comes with risks of misrepresentation, as Alf expressed. The sensitivities of masculinities are constantly being negotiated and attended to by vegan men as an ungoverning of their bodies that connects their veganism into wider identities and politics. Yet, there remains an overrepresentation of white male leaders of the movement in animal philosophies and theory as well as in activism. Co. 2017. Even when these people actively harm the vegan movement. This centering of white men is antithetical to disrupting veganism's structures of whiteness and racism, Polish, 2016. And as language of feminism and feminised compassion is co-opted into this, these negotiations of masculinity in veganism both on and offline must be critiqued. Across both online and offline spaces, narratives of mock meat, masculinity and redemption are shaping interior and exterior perspectives of veganism and obscuring the vital necessity of intersectional thought and practice in veganism. While vegan masculinities offer potential to ungovern, or at least to be a little less governed by gender norms, Dean 2014, there remains a need for vegans to more fully embrace a feminist and intersectional veganism that is not dominated by whiteness and masculinist ideals.